Level three, this is Sports Rage. I am Gabriel Morenci, the pimps, the players, the hustlers, the people that bust them and everybody else in between. Throwing it down. We're breaking it down. We've got more NFL talk. Mike Blewett's going to step up and in. Uh, we'll take a look at uh, this coaching uh, situation in the National Football League uh, right now and uh, the hot candidates. And there's a lot of a lot of uh, very attractive jobs on the board. All right. You know, you look at uh, Trevor Lawrence is coming into the league. Justin Fields is coming into the league. Anthony Lynn's not a bad guy. He's not a horrible coach. But even though they won tonight, they won despite themselves, the Chargers. And was it the char? Is it is it Anthony Lynn's fault that the field goal kicker sucks? No, that's not his fault. Is it Anthony Lynn's fault that Justin Herbert puts up massive numbers in the first half of every game, but then hits a wall in the third and fourth quarter? And if you don't believe that, then you don't bet props. Because I tell you what, we had Justin Herbert over 277 and a half passing yards, and uh, you know, dude was at 261 at like the half, uh, basically. <laughs> All right, like he didn't complete a pass in the second half. And they they attempted a bunch. And, you know, he completed a few, but not many. And, you know, the number got there because of a big play late, uh, essentially. So, and, and I'm not here. I'm not Anthony Lynn's agent. And I'm the one that's even said, look, Anthony Lynn was a running backs coach with the Buffalo Bills. All right? He's a running backs coach with the Buffalo Bills. Greg Romans is the offensive coordinator. Rex Ryan is the head coach. All right? I don't know, like four or five weeks into the season, essentially. Um Greg Roman starts telling people around the National Football League that Rex Ryan is an idiot and he doesn't know what he's doing. Rex Ryan finds out that his offensive coordinator is telling people that he's an idiot, which he is, um, and then he fires him, which he rightfully should have because you can't have your OC telling other coaches and everybody in the league that you're an idiot. So Greg Romans gets fired and then Anthony Lynn is just there and he's the running backs coach and he gets promoted to offensive coordinator because Rex Ryan can't do anything offensively. And then Rex Ryan then gets fired. (laughs) You can't make this up. Like Anthony Lynn was the right guy at the right place at the right time. And then Rex Ryan got fired a few weeks later. So Romans was gone. And then then Rex Ryan was gone. And Anthony Lynn was the last man standing. And the Bills went like four and two down the stretch with them or something, didn't they? I think it was three and two, four and two, whatever. Uh, whatever they didn't suck with him and then boom next thing you know he's a head coach with the Chargers late night anger management class continues bring it you're listening to the sports grid radio network doing our part to spread the winning edge nationwide get on the grid this is the sports grid radio network SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Don't ruin your appetites. I'm buying lunch for everybody on me. Well, what's the occasion? I'm rich. I won my bets on the Rose Bowl, the Sugar Bowl, the Cotton Bowl, and I chunked it all on a hockey game, and I won that. All right, all right. How much did you win? 116 bucks. What a windfall. Yeah. Yeah, I still feel tingly. All right, a lot of stuff to get to here, so... Uh, the James Harden stuff. Uh, so, you listen, we know that James Harden's not going to be a Houston Rocket. You know, it's not going to work out there. 
And there's not a ton of teams lining up for him right now. But Daryl Morey, the former general manager of the Houston Rockets, is in Philadelphia. And he likes Harden. And Harden likes him. And, you know, if you're Philadelphia, you're looking, trying to get over the top. But the thing with Philadelphia is with James Harden, I can live with it and I don't mind it if I'm Philadelphia. If, if I get him without giving up Ben Simmons or Joel Embiid, right? That's, you know, that's the deal, you know, because otherwise it's pointless. If you have James Harden and and Ben Simmons, what is that going to do? You have two very different kind of problems, so to speak. If you have Harden and Embiid, you know, it's the same thing. It doesn't make you all that much better. And, you know, and the thing is, I don't think, I don't think Embiid and Harden would get along. I think Ben Simmons and Harden could get along because Ben Simmons really is a lot like Harden, right? Ben Simmons cares more about Instagram and Kardashians and the social scene than he does his jump shot. Harden cares about only shooting and scoring off on and off the court. And Bede wants to win, right? And Bede wants to win. Like, and Bede can be childish at times. And listen, we all can be. And, and, you know, we've watched Embiid. He's still young. He's growing up in front of our eyes. But Joel Embiid is a badass. He's a great basketball player. Ben Simmons has elite basketball talent. Is he an elite basketball player? No. But he has elite talent, right? You know, but how long do we wait for Ben Simmons' talent? You know, how long do we wait for the process, so to speak? But if I'm the Houston Rockets and I can get Ben Simmons, and that was that's sort of the, the second leg of the rumor, so to speak, that before it was non-negotiable, that Ben Simmons was not part of any deal. Uh, but, you know, the reports are, oh, now maybe, you know, maybe this. and But it's pointless. Like I said, you bring in James Harden, you have Joel Embiid together. It's not a good pairing at all. James Harden's a ball hog. Embiid wants the ball. And James Harden doesn't care about winning. And Embiid does. I'm, all, I'm shocked Embiid's still a sixer. I'm surprised Embiid is, hasn't said, you know what, I got to get out of here. I got to go. And I wouldn't blame him if he did. I, I wouldn't blame him if he did. Um, another story from the NBA. You guys are a little late on this, but... Um, NBA investigating the Clippers. NBA invested in the Clippers amid claims Jerry West offered $2.5 million to a friend of Kawhi Leonard. And the recruitment last year of Kawhi Leonard was one of the shadier things in NBA history. It really was. It, it made college look pale. And I got to be honest, these are just allegations. So I'm not speaking for uh, for any network uh, when I say this, but I believe it. I believe it. And the reason I believe it is because I know, and I know a lot of stuff from the Kawhi Leonard recruiting process last year, in which Uncle Dennis, which is Kawhi's uncle, uh, his Uncle Dennis, who is his representative slash agent, uh, was asking for, like, you know, planes, ownership of stakes of teams, business uh, deals, et cetera. And uh, I, listen, basically, I heard point blank, and 
from, from the Raptor organization that Kawhi Leonard or Uncle Dennis basically asked for like stuff that was like illegal under NBA rules. Like, yeah, he basically wanted a plane. They asked for a plane type thing. You know, will you give us a private plane? What do you mean? Use of a private plane? No, no. Will you give us a private plane? Will you buy us a private plane? And if you, and I know because basically the Raptors were like, what are you, insane? And Masai Ujiri like told people, listen, this is not going to, well, it's not, it's not, it's not going to go well here. Right? Like Uncle Dennis was like, is demanding and the reputation was living up to it. And so I heard about planes. And then in fact, Drake got involved. And Drake was going to literally give Kawhi Leonard a plane. Drake was going to give Kawhi Leonard like a four or five million dollar plane, basically. Um, Drake has like a private plane and he's got a, you know, he got a deal. and He's got buddies. And basically he was like, I'll give him the damn plane. Right. And that's not a violation of NBA rules. But the Raptors were like, no, 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 no. You're the you. And Drake is actually technically a Raptor employee. He's like an ambassador. Like, it was a bad... And listen, Kawhi wasn't re-signing even with a damn plane. But I'm just telling you, now that I hear these stories, come on, man. Kawhi Leonard was, like, insane last year when he was a free agent. And there are all kinds of crazy demands and, and rumors. And let's be real. I said at the time, what the hell do you think Ballmer offered him? Like, why did Kawhi... Like, oh, Kawhi went back home. He could have signed with the Lakers. And honestly, like, you know... What did the Clippers really offer him? Like, what did they, like, honestly, like, did Kawhi, is Kawhi Leonard suddenly going to, you know, be a co-owner, like, uh, have a share of the Clippers uh, when he retires type thing? Like, who knows? But the NBA is investigating claims now The Clippers executive Jerry West offered to pay Johnny Wilkes, a friend of Kawhi Leonard, $2.5 million to help deliver the two-time final MVP in 2019. Oh, TMZ reports that Wilkes is suing Jerry West over an alleged failure of that promise, $2.5 million in exchange for his help in securing Kawhi. The Clippers have since forcefully denied the claims. The lawsuit filed by Johnny Wilkes is replete with inaccuracies and the allegations are baseless. The Clippers are fully cooperating with the NBA in its investigation, which is standard with the, when these types of allegations are made. I'm telling you. Uh, and it goes on. This is not the first time the Clippers have been investigated due to events and allegations surrounding Leonard's free agency. Uh, the Athletic Sam Amick reports that Leonard's uncle, Dennis Robertson, had been investigated for asking for improper benefits from teams seeking to sign a superstar forward. No wrongdoing was found. But reports stated the league would resume the investigation if that changed. All right. So I just even talked about this, about planes and this crap. Come on. Come on. Yeah, let, let's let, let's be real here. Let's be real here. So, Mateus, listen, I just talk about planes, and, and he wanted a plane for the Raptors. And now there's talks about, oh, Uncle Dennis wanted improper benefits. And now you find out that another buddy was supposed to get $2.5 million. That Kawhi Leonard stuff. It, no, dude, that Kawhi stuff, like, he was like a gangster shaking teams down last year, bro. He really was. I believe this story. You know, when everything's just like, oh, you know, it's a legend and stuff. I'm not saying anyone's guilty of any crime. I'm saying I believe this story. That's what I'm saying. I believe that there was all kinds of shady stuff with Kawhi Leonard going to the Clippers. I really do believe that. 
I think there was some dirty tricks being played, but I also think somebody got shorthanded. And I think in this case, we know who got shorthanded. Yeah. And you know who's ratting all this out? The Lakers. It's the Lakers. And you know when this story broke, guys, last year? The Athletic, when this story broke, I remember it. I remember everything. When uh, when it broke, it was a couple of days before Christmas and the Lakers and the Clippers game. And you remember how, how pissed Kawhi was that night? Like, he was like ice stairs, man, with the Lakers that night. Like, he knew. Oh, yeah, yeah, you guys. But whatever, man. Kawhi played the Lakers in the offseason, too. He sabotaged them, basically. Told them, you know, behind the scenes he was going to hook up with them. And then did it. At the last second, Mike Blewett steps up and in. Bring it. Like, Kawhi screwed like 10 teams last year, I think. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Late Night Anger Management Class continues. I am Gabriel Morenci. Let's talk NFL football with Mike Blewett. But before we move forward, we must look backwards. Because, <laughs> of course, uh, last week, my Buffalo Bills faced Mike Blewett's Pittsburgh uh, Steelers. And I tell you what, Mike, the game had a real playoff feel to it, didn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely. Yeah. It really did just feel like a playoff game. Felt like a like a boxing match, two heavyweights sort of, you know, slugging at each other. Was it pretty early? But it really reminded me of just sort of old-school AFC smash mouth football. I agree. I, I thought that first half was the defenses checking the offenses, right? We saw the Steelers get the benefit of a fumble and a short field, and they score a quick touchdown. And then everybody was really in check until the end of the first half. Ben throws a really big pick six it felt like a momentum swing it turned out yeah. to be a momentum swing and I thought you know if, if you learned anything coming out of that game I think you know that the Bills defense can uh, keep offenses in check as we get uh, into the playoffs in late into December and into the playoffs it seemed to me that the Steelers the Steelers loss was really a microcosm wasn't it of yeah. what their struggles have been over the last uh, three weeks or so, drop passes, and it's amazing. You and I have talked about the drop passes, but it's a pandemic. It's oh, a pandemic right. uh, now. 35 drop passes by Pittsburgh Steelers wide receivers, which doesn't really sound like a lot if you think about it. Like, all right, it's three and a half, four a game, but it's, it is. it is By NFL standards, it's unheard of, actually, to be dropping this many balls. Of course, yeah. Now, obviously, they're putting the ball in the air a lot as well, but it doesn't excuse them from having this many drops. I, I Look, Deontay Johnson ended up getting benched as a result of it, and Eric Ebron is still out there, so that confused yeah, yeah. me a little bit. I'd rather have Deontay Johnson out there uh, and Ebron on the sides, but I can't really blame Mike Tomlin for taking action like that. Uh, look, the, the struggles that have happened have been going on for a month. They do not run the ball. And I've said this uh, on multiple shows. I think at this point, Gabe, we have to assume that the Steelers know that Ben can't push the ball down the field. The average yards per attempt are, is under six yards per attempt for each of the last four games. And on the season, it isn't much better. 
So you try to figure out why are they doing this? Why are they doing this? Occam's razor says is the simplest explanation. And it's probably because he can't do it. Does he ever come back and do it? I don't know. But right now, it doesn't appear that he can do it because in those instances in that game, late in the game, when he tried to push one down the field, he got picked off. I'm not a quarterback's coach or offensive coordinator, but as far as Ebron is concerned, no to bet. You can't throw him a low football, bro. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, and I know they talked about it. They said, all right, well, Ebron worked on it all week. Low footballs, low footballs. But it doesn't work, and he's always had problems with that. But you're right. It's, 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 it's everybody. It's everybody. You talked about Johnson. Schuster's had the problems. Ebron's had the problems. And we often talk, and it's a God bless Pittsburgh Steeler fans, because I said Ben's arm is shot and Steeler Nation <laughs> came at me pretty uh, quick. That's tough. That's yeah, yeah. Tough. Why? Because of one game? Why? Because yeah. of tonight? And no, it's not just because of one game against the Buffalo Bills. And I was talking about 20 yards and plus, 30 yards and plus down yeah. the field, deep balls. He's like dead last in the National Football League as far as accuracy, completion uh, percentage, closeness. And there's all kinds of new stats nowadays, guys. But this is what really blew my mind. He can't throw the ball, Mike. He's struggling throwing the ball further than 10 yards. Yeah. So I'm reading here, check this out, beyond the sticks. So in other words, beyond the sticks, 10 yards. Against the Buffalo Bills, 5 of 13. Bad. So we're not talking about 20-yarders. We're not talking about 17-yarders. We're talking about anytime it's just not a quick hit. Five of 13. How about this? Ben Roethlisberger ranks 24th out of 29 qualifying quarterbacks in uncatchable passes longer than 10 yards or more beyond the sticks. It's, it's a real problem right now. Yeah, and it's not like they don't have the personnel. They have Juju Smith-Schuster and Chase Claypool. Yeah. It's not like they don't have the personnel. Deontay Johnson is a good possession-wide receiver. Their drops notwithstanding. But they have two guys that do provide explosive plays in an offense, and one of whom has done it with Roethlisberger as recently as two years ago. And it is just not happening now. They, I have to assume that they can't. He can't do it. They know he can't do it, and it's why they've gone to a ball control passing attack. It still does not explain the reason for abandoning the run. There's no evidence that they can't run the ball. They frankly just haven't been. I give the Bills a lot of credit, though. I thought Josh looked great in the third quarter in particular. And you're talking about uh, long balls, and Josh can obviously complete those passes. But it's his success in the short to intermediate passing game and the accuracy there that is absolutely killing it right now. The addition of Diggs has been uh, better than I expected. I thought he was going to be a success, but even better than I expected. Yeah, you know what? I'm almost disappointed. I see today ESPN cover story. Stephon Diggs, the best wide receiver in the NFL. Kiss him dead. Kiss him dead. At least it's not an SI cover. Uh, at least it's not an SI cover. But it just reminds me, though, going back, I remember years ago, I remember Trent Edwards, uh, Buffalo Bill quarterback Trent Edwards. And they were like 5-1. and one, And there was a lot of hype around the Buffalo Bills. They were 5-1. and one. And they were they were getting hyped up, all oh, the bills are back and all this type of stuff. And Trent Edwards was on the front page of uh, the USA Today sports section <laughs> about how what a great kid he is and Buffalo's embraced him and his sister moved to live with him in Buffalo. And yeah, he's a family man and just great stuff. Yeah, whatever. 
And uh, people, that poor kid got ran out of town with people throwing rocks at him. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so well, things can change in a hurry. You know, one thing I'll say, and I'm curious your take on this, I tweeted at the half. I said, we're good. I said, Brian, and, and we had that big, you know, as you mentioned, it was a big turnover going into this. Yeah. But I said, we're good. I trust Brian Dable to, to adjust. I mean, this guy's doing such a great job. And in fact, you do that and those adjustments and you saw the offense was in the first half and in the second half. And you look at the progression of Josh Allen and that game being on prime time. I just thought to myself, man, we just lost this guy as our coordinator. This guy just got yeah. hired by somebody. He took the words like, right out of my mouth. He's knocking I, on the door right now. Yeah. And you know what I'm saying? Like that's, like that's like the best job interview right there. All right. Big game. Trailing. Offense struggling first half against an elite defense. What's he going to come up with in the second half? Offense rolled in the second half. And you have to give credit to Brian Dable for that. Absolutely. And uh, he's obviously comes out of the New England coaching tree. He coached at Alabama, and he's wound up here. And I think he, he, the sand is running through the hourglass on his days as a Buffalo offensive coordinator. I, I think yeah. uh, guys like him and Bienemy will be sought after to work with young quarterbacks like Deshaun Watson, Justin Herbert, where there may obviously be uh, head coaching opportunities that are open. And, you know, you know there'll be a lot of it's going to be a lot of um, great job opportunities for coaches, but it's going to come down to how can they deal with a young quarterback. Yeah. And this is where there's going to be a big advantage, isn't there, for the offensive guys uh, this year. You've yeah. got a Trevor Lawrence. All right, who who's going to be Trevor Lawrence's guy? Who's, you know, Justin Fields, as you stated. You know, you get Justin Herbert right now. Um, you know, you get these quarterbacks. Who's going to be the guy to develop them? And um, listen, I can't think of many people better better than Brian Dable. And nothing against Eric Bieniemy, nothing against Eric Bieniemy, but Brian Dable's accomplishments to me are more. Look, Br Brian Dable doesn't have Patrick Mahomes. Let's just be real. I mean, yeah. how much? How much? How much is that? And people always bring race into it, uh, right? With Bieniemy, ah, oh, he's getting screwed over. Also, last year, and we got deep with Rick Serratel about this. It wasn't race, guys. We're in the middle of a Me Too movement, and Eric Bieniemy's had issues in the past, and yes. it was it was bad timing for someone to step up. Hey, look at our new coach! Oh, you mean a new coach that was accused of this and that and this and that and was suspended yeah. for that at Colorado and this? Yeah. There's not just one issue either. There's a few things. I'm not you know I'm not saying he's a bad guy. I don't know all the details, etc. I'm just calling out for what it is. Teams, yeah. I know it came up. Teams were like, I don't want to deal with this. And, and another thing is, Mike, yeah. I think some teams might look and go, yeah, Bianami's good. He's with Andy Reid, and he's got the best skill position talent in the National Football League by far. How much is it really Eric Bianami? And then you look at Dable, and you go, oh, damn. He took this kid from Wyoming, and look what he's turned Josh Allen into right now. Look how potent the Buffalo Bill offense is. Dable might have a better resume, actually, to some. Yeah, and Matt Patricia obviously dealt with some Me Too issues when he was added to the uh, as Detroit's head coaching staff. I think you're right. That is uh, that could be a problem. But you also have to look at Matt Nagy, how he has moved from Chicago. He was coach of the year, we and then to? it's fallen apart completely. <laughs> so uh, you have to consider that the Andy Reid, the most recent extra extraction of the Andy Reid coaching staff has gone to Chicago and on the whole has failed miserably. So uh, me, they don't want the same to happen with the enemy. Yeah. So between Robert Salah, Eric Bieniemy, 
and Brian Dable. And I know that each situation and team is different. Sure. But if you were a general manager and those were the three, who would you choose? I mean, the other two are well in front of Salah, so I don't. I, I consider him to be a distant third. Um, I think that's a really interesting one. I, I agree with your point that Dable has sort of crafted this on his own because McDermott is a defensive head coach. Biennemi is obviously coaching under somebody that's considered to be one of the best offensive minds in the last 30 years. So uh, Dable a little bit entrepreneurial in that way, but uh, it's sort of a push for me. I, I think it's going to be close, and they're both going to be head coaches. You know what's sad, uh, too, with uh, with Brian Dable? Hopefully we can get a Super Bowl run out of this. He's actually from Buffalo, too. Yeah. He's from the area. Uh, but Sean McDermott's not going anywhere soon. Sports yeah. Rage Late Night continues. More with Mike Blewett on the other side. Bring it. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Sports Rage Late Night continues. I am Gable Brent, so we're kicking it uh, with Mike uh, Blewett. Get on the grid. You can catch uh, Mike Saturdays and Sundays on uh, the grid, talking college football and NFL football. And I want to get into some college football with you and get your takes on conference championship weekend. But I was saying um, that there's a lot of attractive opportunities out there. Sure. Uh, the New York market with Trevor Lawrence. Los Angeles with Justin Herbert. Um, and and others um, and other jobs are going to be available. And you know, with Brian Dable, I mean, wouldn't he be a good fit for for Trevor Lawrence and uh, and the New York Jets? Yeah, look, he's worked in college, right, under Nick Saban, so he's familiar with working with younger players. He's not totally removed from college in any way, and how somebody like Trevor Lawrence can transition to the NFL. So I, I think you're really going to want to find that match. It's going to be interesting where we had this situation most recently, obviously, with Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray. Now, do any of these coaches have the type of relationship that Kingsbury and Kyler Murray had? It's unlikely, but I wouldn't be surprised if Dable uh, had come across Trevor Lawrence in his days at, at Alabama. So... Uh, I think that's obviously going to be a really attractive job, but you have to consider that the top two teams in the draft are organizations that are wayward, to say the least. Uh, Jacksonville and the Jets have lost a lot of games over the last decade. Ownership has been seen as a impediment to success. Uh, do we have the same thing with the Chargers? That is possible also. Alex Spanos doesn't exactly get rave reviews. <laughs> Uh, Houston, you have a team that has had recent success. So would somebody want to work with the quarterback that they already know is legitimate? Um, there's a lot to rebuild in Houston, though. You can build it from the ground up with those other franchises. I think Dable is a, is a slam dunk to get one of these jobs. Uh, will it be the Jets? Or I wouldn't want to pick between the Jets and Jacksonville. I think you just side with the Jets being in a bigger market and having the number one pick. Mike Blewett uh, kicking it with us. Is there anything like that the Jets like and the Johnsons don't screw up? Like I was wondering, like where do they get their money from? But it's all inherited, I guess, right? Yeah, it's a Johnson it, Johnson company. Yeah, that's unbelievable. Yeah, but he's so never worked for the Johnson and Johnson company. He's just an heir to that fortune from generations ago. So, like, think about how just inept the Jets are, and 
then he becomes an ambassador for Trump. That's right. And then there's like, he screws that up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, okay. Like, you know what I mean? Like, all kinds of accusations, guys. <laughs> like, he screws that up. And it's like, as you stated, I don't know. I don't think Trevor Lawrence is the type of kid that's like, oh, I'm not, I'm not, you know, I don't see him as that guy. Yeah. But would you hold it against him? And you know what's crazy? Normally, people would. Right? Normally, it's like you spoiled. I remember when Eli Manning did it. It's like, who the hell do you think you are? When Elway did it, who the hell do you think you are, kid? Yeah. Eric Lindros in the National Hockey League? People hated him, bro. Of what, you course. think you're bigger than the league? You think you're bigger than the league? Oh. You should be happy to play for Quebec. Shut up. That was right? really taking on it. traditionalists when, when Lindros did that. That was a very... Oh, that, yeah. I mean, no the traditionalists on that sport. Yeah. Right. Hockey is, yes, sir, I'm glad to be here, right? Right. It's like military. There's no right? high team. Honestly, who the hell in the media or on Twitter or any fan is going to rip Trevor Lawrence if he said, I'm not going to the Jets? Well, <laughs> well, certainly, look, there's always going to be two sides of it. But I, what I would say is that because we have seen things in professional sports recently, notably in the NBA, obviously, with a player empowerment movement that allows them to do things like this. And the fact that Eli and Elway had done it, I think some people will say, hey, man, I get it. You don't want to live in New Jersey and have your career flush down the toilet like what they just did to Sam Darnold. They literally just did this to a quarterback. The reason that they're picking you is because they ruined the last guy and you know what's so funny? badly that he nobody wants him. You and I will remember, we're old enough to remember, as in, unlike everyone else and only talks about things that happen, only know things that happened in the last three months. Dude, Sam Darnold was Trevor Lawrence four years ago, five yes. years ago. Like, people don't realize this. Like, people were like, oh, yeah, you've got to tank to get Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold's going to change everything. You tank for to get Sam, Sam Darnold. was a hashtag. Suck <laughs> for Sam that the Jets fans were trying to get to. And they traded up, obviously, for Sam and I'm not Italian evaluator. I'll never pretend to be, but I absolutely would have picked him number one overall. I thought the Browns were going to do that, and here we are. I'm hoping the Steelers get him as a reclamation project uh, since Ben can't throw I, more than 10 yards down the field, which you just covered. I didn't like him. I've been no? wrong about some guys. I didn't like him coming out of USC. I swear, it's the one thing I just knew. He was great as the freshman or the sophomore when he took over. Remember, he took the Pac-12 in the country by storm. And then what, what happened the following year? He was forcing footballs. There was interceptions. And it was the classic, well, he's trying to do too much now because of, you know, he's trying to live up to the hype. And I'll never forget. I'll never forget. They asked Sam Darnold at USC, the local media, you know, they're talking, NFL teams are talking about tanking for you right now, Sam. And he goes, I wouldn't tank for me. I'll never forget him saying that. Like, I loved his honesty. He goes, I wouldn't tank for me. He goes, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> I don't know. I thought it was, like, kind of telling. Uh, he's a good kid. He's a good kid. Bad market yeah. for him. Wrong place. Wrong, you know, just wrong everything. Interesting that you bring up the Steelers, actually, because that's that's where we're at right now. And I wanted to ask you, being a Boston College guy, Yeah. Um, and for the love of God, bro, Matt Ryan, seven fantasy points last week. That, oh, I God. texted, so I'm obviously on text threads with some of my friends from my alma mater. And I lost a playoff matchup by a very little amount of points, and yeah, Matt Ryan didn't help me. And I know he sucks, but I had a choice, Goff or Ryan. And I was like, I don't know. I, don't I think know. Goff didn't light it up either. He I know, I knew he was going to run the ball. I know. 
I just thought Chargers, Falcons, come on. He can throw a couple of touchdowns. He's terrible, bro. Everybody. It's like Ben Roethlisberger. He can't throw the ball anymore. I, everybody um, everybody thought that that game was going to had shootout written all over it. It was a really ugly game on both sides. And both teams tried to lose it on several occasions. But I unsolicited sent to my friends after watching that game. I said Matt Ryan was an absolute disaster today. And I obviously root for him. Uh, I really wish him success. But this has been a brutal season. He has had a record of having good season, bad season, good season, bad season. And this is a bad one. Lots of turnovers, not a lot of touchdowns. It's just not going well. Uh, they are money committed to him, though, uh, much in the same way that some of the other teams are wow. committed to their older quarterbacks. They are Thompson not getting West. rid of Matt Ryan this year. They can draft someone, but Matt Ryan's playing quarterback for the Falcons next year. He's hindering them. He's holding them back. And, you know, this is, it's always a tough situation, and I get it. I would, I would have the swan song next year for him. You know, it's a swan song for him. And at some point, you got to let go. You brought up Sam Darnold. It's going to be interesting. The Pittsburgh Steelers going to need a quarterback moving forward. Yeah. Chicago Bears. There will be a market. Uh, you know, who knows? Maybe Shanahan likes him. Some other coaches will like uh, will like Darnold. So let's move forward here. You know, when it's all said and done, Mike, the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to be judged by what happens in January, right? That's right. Not what happened against Buffalo or Baltimore on a COVID uh, Wednesday afternoon yeah. or what have you. But there are disturbing trends. There's a get well. There's a get well card coming in the mail soon, Mike. It should be. Uh, it's going to arrive at your place on Monday night. It's going to have a Bengals logo on it. Get well card. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a holiday season get well card. Thing that catches my eye here. You must. You know this is being a Steeler fan. We've left some money on the table with this. The Steelers, when they're the better team, the Steelers, and they're on the road, it goes under every damn time. Every time, get this, guys. The Steelers are now 33-4 and two to the under as a road favorite. And I know it's even more detailed. It's like 24 and 0 if um, if they're favored by like seven or less. So this is a little bit different of a situation because they're really the dominant team here. But the Steelers 33-4 and two to the under as a road favorite. And the Cincinnati Bengal defense couldn't score on you, me, and uh, and Joe Lisi blew it. Yeah, I mean, the, the the game lines up to be roughly 29 to 16. Would you bet on the Bengals going over 16 points? I wouldn't. They're dealing with all... angry Steelers team. <laughs> yeah. Uh, look, we got a lot of issues with the Steelers offense right now. I would not want to be... Well, Brandon Allen's even banged up. I would not want to be uh, the Cincinnati QB rolling out there this Monday night. I think that's going to be an angry team. I wouldn't be surprised if they ran the ball a little bit more. <laughs> they, what they're doing on offense is unsustainable. They have to figure out if they can run it on teams. And Cincinnati's defense, I think, has gone a little under the radar of how bad they are. Uh, they are putrid. And Geno Atkins ain't coming back to play. He's on IR. Speaking of bad, as Mike Blewett kicks it with us, I don't know. I was thinking. I was wondering how the Browns going to respond after the um, the the worst bad beat of the the decade. Yeah. Uh, basically, the craziness, the craziness of Monday Night Football, and you know you have the New York Giants and the quarterback situation. Uh, but I can't believe I'm going to say this that now that Jason Garrett's not calling plays, I'm out. So Jason Garrett tests positive for COVID. Mm. His replacement. Freddie Kitchens. Oh, boy. Freddie Kitchens is calling plays in an NFL game. 
on Sunday night against the Browns of all teams. You can't make this up. Against the Browns. <laughs> and I got to tell you, Mike, I was giving Joe Judge a lot of credit for being a smart guy. He can't be that smart if he thinks Freddie Kitchen. Like, if he likes Freddie, like, come on, dude. Freddie Kitchen should be, like, the assistant to the special teams coach. He shouldn't be, like, one man away from calling plays for an NFL team. The only shot the Giants have in this one, to me, <laughs> because of how compromised Daniel Jones is, is to, just to make it a rock fight. Take the air out of the ball, limit possessions for the Browns, hand it off, do whatever you need to do. You know the, you and I both know the play calling isn't going to be creative anyway, so the <laughs> offensive line just needs to be better. They had no shot against the Cardinals when the offensive line plays like that. So they're going to have to be a lot better because they're going up against a Browns team. For all the th the holes you, we could poke in the Browns, defense is really good, especially up front. And they can get after the QB. And I, I just think that the Giants are going to put Daniel Jones in a world of hurt if they play like that uh, again. All right, so listen, Mike, we've got uh, we've got about two minutes uh, here, a minute and a half or two. So college football, yeah. you've been breaking it down all year. What game are you most looking forward to watching this week or, or betting on college football? The Pac-12 championship game, Friday night, USC and the Ducks. We've got the Big Ten, uh, the Big 12 game, really fun game there. Oklahoma and Iowa State, what are you looking at this weekend? Well, first of all, Clemson-Notre Dame. Yeah, we can't. Clemson-Notre Dame is the game I'm most excited to watch. but I like the Irish plus the points. Uh, yeah, I think it's too many. I absolutely would take the Irish, too. At ten and a half right now, I, I would absolutely take the Irish as well. I think Clemson's going to win, but I have no reason to believe that they'll blow them out. Their defense has been what's worried me at times this year. Uh, not so much their offense. They even performed well when Lawrence was out. Uh, uh, under the radar, you and I both love Maction. I, got, I love Buffalo. I think they've been so much better than all the other MAC teams. I know it's a big number, but if you can tease that number down, I think Buffalo is going to win that game comfortably. I would lay the points, but I'd like to get some, some teasing in on it as well, even if you use a Saturday game as part of the tease. Hey, listen, nobody's come within 19 points. Uh, Northern Illinois, 49-30. And, and, They're so and, much better. They're and that so was the better. first game of the year. That game That's wasn't right. even as close as the score indicated. They've been smoking teams. There's something going on in Buffalo right now. <laughs> the Buffalo Bills and the Buffalo Bulls. A combined record, 15-3. and three. Not too bad. A combined record of 15-3. and three. All right, great stuff. Time just flew by here with Mike Blue. Catch him with Joe Lisi on Saturday uh, morning right here. And uh, we'll see him Sunday. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Late Night Anger Management Class. Quickest 180 minutes in sports. Thanks to our guest uh, here this evening, the Raging Redhead Cam Stewart. Stop by. Great night uh, for Cam. Uh, big night uh, for us. We crushed the uh, the Thursday night football game. Teddy Cover, sportsmemo.com. Uh, Wager Talk was with us in the house. Mike Blewett, Sports Grid. Uh, great stuff with everybody. Tony Finn will join us on uh, Friday night. Steve Merrill is out. Steve Merrill will be um, Steve Merrill will be gone for the next. Uh, he'll miss the next couple of shows due to the holidays. Uh, but uh, the show must go on. We'll be throwing it down to Friday Night uh, Freak Show. 
Uh, we'll have a lot of time to go over the games uh, tomorrow night. Uh, and, of course, we have the Pac-12 championship game. USC Trojans laying three and a half points to the Ducks. I think the money line is the way to go here. And, you know, the money line is not that bad, actually, when you consider it's a buck 58. You know, they, if you look at the Trojans, man, look, dude, the Trojans played a close game against the Sun Devils in week one. They played a close game against the Wildcats in week two. Um, they blew out Utah. They blew out uh, Wazoo. Then last week, ultra close game against uh, UCLA. So USC are 5-0, and but they played in a lot of very close football games. So I'm not really, you know, I don't want to lay four points. I don't want to lay four points. I think the Trojans will find a way to get it done. It's not going to be easy. It's not a lock. I, I really thought they would beat UCLA last week. It's not a lock, but I think they're going to step up and get it done. Minus 158 on the money line. And I was thinking about money line parlaying the Buffalo Bulls and the USC Trojans, but it's only minus 104. So I, I might as well just bite the bullet and figure out how to bet the Ball State Buffalo game. Listen, nobody's come within 19 points of the Buffalo Bulls uh, this year. These guys have been lethal, all right? Ball State are a good football team. Buffalo were better. They're a juggernaut this year in this conference. And the total is 67 and a half. We'll lay the 12 and a half with Buffalo. We'll go over the 67 and a half. And I like the USC Trojans on the money line. There should be points put up on the board in the Pac-12 game as well. Tune in at Game Time Decisions. We'll have all of our final selections, but... I'm not changing my mind. I'm taking the Trojans money line. I think Buffalo rolls. And then, you know what? We got the Buffalo Bills playing on Saturday. So tomorrow night, we'll break that game down. Denver decimated in the secondary. Other than that, you're on your own. Later. Live odds, lines, matchups, injury reports, and news you can use. Sports Grid. This is the Sports Grid Radio Network.